رادیو رومی Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Radio Rumi. I am Fatima Keshavars and I am going to be speaking about Rumi's thoughts and words focused on another topic today. This is a Friday afternoon and it is a rainy Friday afternoon and as I was planning this program I just remembered a ghazal of Rumi which starts with it is a rainy day. I thought why not to start with that before I even tell you what the focus of this episode will be. Here is how that particular ghazal goes. روز باران است و ما جو میکنیم بر امید وصل دستی میزنیم. It is a rainy day and I'm digging a canal. In the hope of union, I clap my hands. ابرها آبستن دریای عشق ما ز ابر عشق هم آبستنیم. The clouds are pregnant with drops from the sea of love. I am pregnant with those clouds. To magu mutrebneam dasti bazan. To bia ma khutra mutreb Do not say I am not a musician. Clap your hands. Come, I will teach you to be a musician. روشن استان خانه گویی آن کیست ما غلام خانه ها روشنی so bright will you tell me whose house that is i love bright houses so ما حجاب آب حیوان خودیم بر سر آن آب ما چون روغنیم alas I hide my own water of life as oil drops always cover the surface of water. Well, in many ways, this poem is Rumi, a typical example of what Rumi will talk about. First of all, he turns a rainy day, which could be dark and dreary, into a beautiful, happy day, which could be a day of union. But I love the second line when he talks about the clouds being pregnant with drops from the sea of love. And then he adds, and I am pregnant with those clouds. Not only the idea of being pregnant with love is quite fascinating, but I actually like the fact that he adopts that feminine image for himself. That is, he describes himself as a pregnant woman. It's fascinating that this gender 
change is not an issue for him. And think about the fact that he lives in the 13th century. That's quite fascinating. I also love the idea of bright houses. This idea that because we are in this world, because we are subjected to a lot of difficulty as all beings, we have limits and those limits are real. But nonetheless, if we create bright houses, we can live happy in them and we can be fulfilled. On that happy note, Let me tell you that I have just returned from Austin, Texas, where I visited the Austin Community College. I should say community colleges because there were multiple campuses. And what a cool place. They have a department of great questions. A department of great questions. Isn't that cool? Isn't that fabulous? What that means is everything taught in that department is focused on what are the urgent and important questions of our time. And they decided to invite me to give a couple of talks about Rumi, which was also cool because they connected with this medieval figure from all the way across the world but they considered him and what he talks about as important enough for their students to learn about. It was a lovely visit. I met many faculty, vibrant and full of ideas, and I also met many students, some of whom were listening to these podcasts, and some others said they will after these talks. And when one of my talks finished, We sat around the room and discussed what were the important aspects of the poems I had read and the topics that I had thought about. That gave me the idea that I could bring some of those questions to our podcasts. One of the questions that I was asked time and again was, how do we on this part of the world, and in the 21st century, should read the poetry of a figure like Rumi. I actually ended up giving a talk on this, so it could be a long conversation, but I'm going to bring some of the points that I consider important. I told them that the life events of a poet are important for us to know, What kind of a historical moment that poet lived in is also important to understand. And the poet's education. Now, for example, thinking about these ideas, we know that one of the major life events for Rumi was that his family migrated from the eastern part of the Muslim world of the time towards the west. And during that journey, he went through multiple megatowns such as Baghdad and Samarkand and Nishapur. Some of these cities were the largest in the world because Europe still did not have its megacities. 
also learning about the education of Rumi. We know that he studied Arabic, that he spoke Persian, that he spoke a wide range of topics, religious and otherwise, including Greek philosophy. If you remember in the last episode, he quoted a Greek philosopher. It's also important that we know something about the traditions, the culture, and the religion in which the poet grew up. Sometimes I recite a line of Rumi and the reaction I get was, Oh my God, how did the other Muslims listen to this? How did they take it? Quite well, actually. They took it quite well because it wasn't a shock to them. There had been other mistakes other poets, other thinkers who had said similar things and therefore it was not totally alien to their minds. Now, like most other societies, not everyone who heard these words of Rumi was as keen on them. There were some who were more literalist, who thought that he was being a radical with regards to particularly his religious ideas and being open to everyone. And there were a whole range of others who thought that was perfectly fine. Now, the other thing we need to know is which other poets lived and wrote before Rumi. And here we have referred to Sanai and Attar both. Now, I can't talk about them in any detail, but... I want to tell you that Rumi actually saw them. He saw them as the foundational figures that gave him the knowledge, the courage, and the skill to discuss what he discussed. It's also important to know how people from within the culture accepted and responded to Rumi because Nobody, no artist is going to be a total exception to his or her society. If the culture is not giving you the opportunity to learn, if it doesn't give you enough thought, enough poetry, enough skills to learn, you will not become the kind of artist that, for example, Rumi was, or many others in other cultures. And last but not least, it's also important to see what kind of a poem he's writing. Is it a ghazal? Is it going to be focused on the lyric experiences of his life? Is it going to be a rhyming couplet, basically telling narratives and stories? Or is it going to be a short quatrain? It's important to know these because the purpose and the audience for each of these forms, we call them a genre in literary studies, are very different from each other. For example, in a quatrain, the poet wants to give a very important and pithy idea in two lines and finish it. So he'll tell you something like this. عشق از ازل است تا ابد خواهد بود جوینده عشق بی عدد خواهد بود فردا که قیامت آشکارا گردد آن هر که نه است رد خواهد بود 
Love is from pre-eternity. It will last forever. The seekers of love are beyond measure and number. Tomorrow, when the day of reckoning is here, only the ones who are not in love will not be allowed to enter. Isn't that a deep philosophical and at the same time fairly simple idea? And in a sense, it becomes shocking because it is so simple. Love is from pre-eternity and it has existed and it will exist forever. And thinking about it takes a kind of vision that is comprehensive, accepting of others, and basically saying whoever is in love is equal with other lovers. We are not going to classify them. We are not going to give them labels and go to those kinds of small ways of definition and acceptance. I also want to say a little bit about some of the, should I say wrong? Yeah, probably some of the wrong questions we may be asking when we deal with a poet or a figure we admire and we want to learn from. One of these questions is, is he right or is he wrong? Well, maybe that kind of judgment will have to be left to the individuals, the condition they are in at the time that they're listening to the poems and how much they know about the poems, rather than trying to make a universal judgment about Rumi is always right. I don't think so. He sometimes talks about some things that the tradition he's living in doesn't give the full justice to. At other times, he does. So, on one occasion, he's being limited and thisworldly. On another occasion, he is philosophical and open and able to look at the universality of the beings whom we sometimes classify into good or bad or male or female and so on and so forth. Another wrong question or wrong approach could be a kind of comparison. We do this all the time. Is Shakespeare more insightful or Dante? Is Rumi more outspoken and courageous or Hafez of Shiraz? And so on and so forth. Comparison is not always bad, but it's good only if it sheds a new light on what we know and what we want to know. Not if we are about judging the two and picking the best, because that is almost impossible, depending on what moment, what poem, what life incident we are looking at. We should, in my opinion, not look for the best. Definitely, Rumi was not one of the people who thought that. Talking about himself, he said, Zindu hezar manomau e ajabau man chemanam. Gush bedeh arbaderau. Out of these 2,000 eyes and we's, which one is me? Which me is me? In other words, he accepted openly and fully 
that he wasn't always the same person, that depending on the experience, the moment, the knowledge, the interest, he is susceptible to making errors or to be insightful. And last but not least, very often when I talk about Rumi, the question comes up by the audiences, is he a good guide to follow? Even if people do not voice it exactly that bluntly, but that's at the bottom of some of the questions. Can I fully trust him and follow him? Again, Rumi himself would never want you to classify yourself as one of his followers. In fact, he never formally accepted to be the head of anything. He talked, he discussed things with people, he whirled with people, he argued with people, he listened to people, but he never told them, follow me in every step that I take in my life. In fact, he said, People perish often because they imitate someone. What a curse this imitation of others is. So far from asking people to imitate him, he wanted them to have a mind of their own, to listen, to think, to feel, and to take the action which they consider appropriate, and it is what they want to do. When he talked about his own poetry also, he took different positions, and he was very clear about everything one says is not always of the same import, of the same value. The words that come from the deep inner spiritual source of knowledge is the water of life. Keep that kind of word inside your soul so that whatever you do gives the best kind of results. If there are so many poems to listen to, it's best for them to be filled with jewels, that is, filled with ideas that are precious. And then he gives an example. It's quite known in the Eastern tradition, particularly cultures like the Arab culture in which in the past, camels were a very important part of life, of passing through deserts and so on and so forth. It's quite known to them that camels listen to music. Camels listen to poetry. They enjoy that. So when they were going through a difficult part of a journey, they would play for the camel or they would sing to the camel. And Rumi uses that as an example, saying, even camels can carry their loads better when they are listening to poetry and music. There are also times when he's almost fed up with his own interest 
in writing poetry. And he wants the inner feelings, the inner experiences to take over his life, even his words, and wash away his interest in creating poems. رستم از این بیت و غزل ای شه و سلطان ازل مفتعلون 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 کشت مرا Now مفتعلون is a unit used to measure the metrics of poetry Are there two مفتعلونز or is there one would tell you how long the poem is for example But here Rumi uses the word مفتعلون as a sign of attention to the outward quality of a poem at the price of its inner meaning. He says, oh, I am freed from this bait and from this verse of poem and from writing it and measuring it. Oh, my eternal king. Shao Sultan Azal, love, which is also interchangeable with God, with the truth, as we have seen before. And then he introduces a really fun idea here. Oh, let the flood of love take away, wash away all the rhymes, all the meters, because the shell of a poem is not worth anything. It is just the empty shell. And it suits the brain and the temperament of the poets who wrote poetry just for the sake of the art of poetry or pleasing a king and so on and so forth. Now he also tells us how to read his own. He wants us to be aware of the context of the poem. Shereman nonemes ramonat شب بر او بگذرت نتا میخورد آن زمانش بخور که تازه بود پیش از آن که بر او نشیند گرد My poetry is like Egyptian bread Take it in when it's fresh and warm In other words, when it's connected to its context And do that before it gets dry and dust settles over it which will make it inedible now, of course, by this, he does not mean just the passage of time because his poetry, as we know, and not just his, many other poets' poetry, survives time because it does have that universal strength inside. But what he means is that it should be in its place. That poem should be looked at in its context. گر مسیر زمیر جای وی است می بمیرد در این جهان از برد همچون ماهی دمی به خشک تپید ساعتی دیگرش ببینی سرد Again, the fish and the sea This poem has to stay alive in your mind in your dynamic and moving mind not in the coldness outside your mind just like the fish, that if you take it from the sea, after an hour, you will see it cold and dead. He also wants us to see that for he himself, his poetry is very much connected with his inner feelings. If we don't pay attention 
to where he is in his life journey, we will not be able to understand that poem well. خون ببین در نظم شعرم شعر منگر بهر آنک دیده و دل را به عشقش هست خون پالاویی See the blood, the flowing blood inside my poems. Don't look at them as if they were just poetic artifacts. My eyes and my heart bleed. Well, that means I go through a lot of deep emotions when my poetry comes to being. And then he goes a step further. He says, خون چو می جوشد منش از رنگی می دهم تا نخون آلود گردد جامه خون آلاویی When my blood gushes forth within my veins and comes to the surface, I color it with poems. In other words, I don't want my clothing to be covered in blood. I want them to be covering my poems. He's also sometimes worried about how we can understand some of his poems. Poems are so hard to approach and hard to understand because they move with us, because they move in our minds. They move with our knowledge. They move with what we know and we try to learn about them. معنیم در شعر جز با خبت نیست چون قلا سنگ است و اندر زبت نیست. He says, the meaning inside the poem could be misunderstood because it's like a piece of stone thrown forward, catapulted forward. Galasang is a catapult, catapulted forward, and we do not know exactly where it's going to fall. In other words, he takes responsibility for the fact that sometimes what he says may not be that easy to understand. Remember a few minutes ago I just said, he says, out of these 2,000 you's and I's and we's, which one is the real me? He has the same thought and caution about us. Bas qaribi, bas qaribi, bas qarib, as kujawi. As kujawi, as kujaw. Of course, here he can be talking about a special person, even a beloved, but he could also be talking about us in general. Bas qaribi, bas qaribi, bas qarib, as kujawi, as kujawi, as kujaw. Ba kemi baashi yo hamraz to kiist, ba khudawi, ba khudawi, ba khudaw. You're so strange, so strange, so unusual. Where are you from? Who are you with? Who do you talk to? Who listens to your secrets? Oh, you're with God. And there's a little bit of a wish there. I hope you are with God. You are with that truth. A gozi de naqsh az naqash khud kei and then he calls us human beings selected painting design created by that eternal 
پینتر ای گزید نقش از نقاش خود کی جداوی کی جداوی کی جدا So from your strange where do you come from then he tells you what he thinks you are a selected a special painting a special design you will never be separate from that divine painter never and let me tell you after all these different things that i tried to fit in to a small episode what would i tell you if you asked me how would i describe rumi's poetry if we are not going to see it as something we have to always follow that is the best that is never any errors that he is our leader that he is somebody we need to imitate if i'm not saying these things what am i saying his poetry does for us and i'm going to use one of his poems to justify what i tell you which is merely my understanding of it and that is in my opinion his poetry his work is like a window it's like this amazing wide space that opens up before us beyond this window if we jump into it that space is ours and then what we do with it is our business it depends on our knowledge our sensitivity our honesty with ourselves our knowledge of the context of the poems and so on but nonetheless these poems are the spaces that he opens before us listen to this beautiful ghazal on ke chenan miravat ay ajabu jaun kiist sakht ravan miravat Okay, he wants to prepare us. He says, there is this figure walking in front of us. I wonder who he is or who she is. It's like somebody's soul. He or she walks beautifully, graciously. Whose cypress tree is it? Dar delema suratist, ay ajaban nakshiki. وین همه بوهای خوش از سوی بستان کیست there are images in our hearts i wonder where those images come from and all these amazing scents which garden do they come from if you are at that window it's time to enter the garden and try to sense all those scents that he's talking about. And look at the image that he's telling you. I wonder whose image that is. And he gives us an example. Our souls running here and there. Our inner life, our strength is searching, is always searching here and there. دل همه در جستجو our heart is seeking something longing for something یارب جویان کیست oh my god what is it seeking and then he gives us that expense clearly ارسه دل بیکران 
گم شده در وی جهان ای دل دریا و صفت سینه بیابان کیست The expanse of the heart is boundless The whole world, the two worlds Both this world and the world after As the Muslims believed And so did Rumi Both these worlds are lost In the expanse of the heart And then he addresses his heart A dele daryao sifat Sine biyavonikist My ocean-like heart Whose vast meadow is the expanse of my heart, my inner space. So with that, Ghazal, I'm going to leave you with the thought that every time you read a new poem of Rumi, experiment with what I just suggested. It's a window. Open it up. See where it leads you and see how expansive it is for you. Let me read these lines one more time and leave you with them until next time. آنکه چنان می رود ای عجبو جان کیست سخت روان می رود سر به خرامان کیست در دل ما است ای عجبان نقش کیست وین همه بوهای خوش از سوی بستان کیست عقل روان سو به سو روح دوان کو به کو دل همه در جست و جو یا رب جویان کیست عرصه دل بیکران گم شده در وی جهان ای دل دریا و صفت سین بیابان کیست ای دل دریا و صفت سین بیابان کیست Till next time, let me talk about Rumi again. Goodbye.